Excellent, thank you. Okay, everyone, hello. Welcome to the January 21st OA Rise meeting. So glad that you are here. Um, my name is Sherry, I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic and your host for this meeting. OA Rise stands for Recovery Inspires Shared Experiences and we are really glad that you are all here. Will all those who wish please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Our unity with diversity policy, as we extend the heart and hand of the OA Fellowship to those who still suffer, let us be mindful of OA's unity with diversity policy, which respects our differences, yet unites us in the solution to our common problem. Whatever problem you may have with food, you are welcome at this meeting. Okay, John, could I please have you read the uh, preamble? Absolutely. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Wonderful, thank you so much, John. And uh, Diane, could I please have you read the 12 steps? Absolutely, thank you. The 12 steps we took, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. And eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take a personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Diane. And Patty, would you please read the 12 Traditions? Thanks, Sherry. I'm Patty. I'm a compulsive overeater and sugar addict. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, 
The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Awesome, thank you so much. Okay, um, our seventh tradition. According to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. Contributions can be made by PayPal to our email address at info at oarise.org, or you can visit our website at oarise.org and click the Contribute Now button on the home screen. I'll show you how to do that a little later on. Um, uh, sorry, your donation helps us to cover the cost of the Zoom subscription, and it also helps us to maintain the OA Rise website, which is where we upload and store the recordings for you and for all OA members. Your seventh tradition contributions are needed to keep the OA Rise speaker meetings going and those podcasts up to be available for everyone. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Okay, some information before we start this meeting. This is a two and a half hour speaker meeting. At this time, all attendees are muted. This meeting is being recorded so that an audio-only recording can be posted on the oarise.org website. Please note that by sharing or asking a question, you do consent to being recorded and having the recording posted on the OARISE website. If you have questions for the speaker but do not want your voice to be heard on the recording, please send your question to a co-host and they will read your question for you. Uh, today's co-hosts are myself, of course, Jan, and Marsha, and uh, Audrey will join us a little later on. Uh, the chat feature is currently turned off, except to communicate with myself or the co-hosts. Additionally, only hosts will have the ability to change attendees' names. So if you would like your name changed or need any assistance during the meeting, please do feel free to contact us. And uh, to protect OA Rise from individuals outside of our program who have been disrupting meetings at this time, Anyone joining the meeting or anyone who does not currently have their camera turned on will be restricted from turning their video on until there is an appropriate break in the meeting. So should you want to have your video on, please do so now. We appreciate your understanding as we do our best to keep this meeting safe. Uh, please note that specific foods may be mentioned at this meeting and we will take a five minute break approximately halfway through the meeting. And finally, just a reminder that the opinions expressed here today are those of OA individuals and do not represent OA as a whole. 
Okay, it is now my great pleasure to introduce to you our speaker today, who is Pepe, and she will be sharing on, uh, it's step three. I loved the uh, description of, did you make a decision and did you follow through? So it's uh, basically the third step and going forward. So I turn it now over to Pepe. Thank you so much for being with us. And I am going to ask you to unmute. And I apologize, I haven't made you a co-host yet, but I'm going to do that right now, Pepe, so you have access to all the Zoom features. There we go. Okay, off to you. Hi, uh, I'm Pepe. I uh, term myself as a food addict. After doing the work for so long, I have found that it fits me more to say that I have an addiction, especially after setting the big book, to realize that I have an addiction. I'm just not, I'm not just a compulsive eater. I have a true addiction. And that addiction is to food. And the reason I have that addiction, it tells us in the first step, is because I have I don't have the same DNA as the person who doesn't have this food addiction. When I eat food, my brain triggers differently than the normal eater. So I have this addiction. Uh, what I wanted to talk about today, what I love to talk about is when we get to step three, because, but I'll start out, how long do I have to speak, Sherry? Do we give one? Uh, yeah, we usually have the break, like I said, around one, or sorry, 210 or so. So you can go for an hour, a little bit less, a little bit more, it's totally up to you. Okay. so. When we start out um, with the first step, although it's many, many pages, it is really, the, we're talking about the first half of the first step is talking about the addiction. And as you would term it, the compulsive eating. And really what it is, is that we have a very serious disease and the grave nature, which is the important word, the grave nature of that disease is that it's in our in it's in us. It doesn't say it in the big book, but I call it it's in our DNA. We don't have the turn-off switch like other people do. And just the same way that an alcoholic or a drug abuser doesn't have that turn-off switch. We don't have that. So we the first thing we have to do, and it took me many years to get that. It took me years to get that I had never really completed the first step. That's why I could not have a comfortable abstinence. Because until I got that first step, until I got the grave nature of the disease, the serious aspect of understanding that this is different than the normal eater, and it ain't going to change. And so I only have one solution. And the solution is talking about the spiritual malady, which begins in the second part of the second step. So before I go on, I want, I want to give you a little background to what my life is like today. I live a life of, and this is my banner, peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. That's how I live my life. And that's not to say that things don't happen, because they do. I have, since October 10th, been in the midst of operations and an enormous amount of pain, enormous to the point I didn't know how I was going to if I could manage it. And and yet I still maintain peace, serenity, calmness and ease. And God plops into my life 
all the things that I need to do what needs to be done and how and to and to live my life that would be how I would say it so um when I oh I always like to tell people when I say calmness and ease it doesn't mean that my life is easy it means that whatever I approach that I treat with calmness and ease and that's because I go to my higher power which I call God therefore when we go on and we go through steps one and two, I like to talk about step three. And step three says, made a decision to turn our will and our life over to God. And then it says, as I understand God. When I make a decision, I'd like to know how many people have made a decision and then not followed through on it. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. We make a decision and then we get back in the driver's seat. And that's what step three is all about, is what does that driver's seat look like? So the driver's seat looks like, and I used to tell people, I'm not just sitting in the director's chair, I have a throne. Because I'm going to tell you how it should be too. And because I think I know something. And that's being in the driver's seat. One of the real quick ways um, that uh, th there's some key words that, that we, we can use. One of the really quick ways to know that you're sitting in the driver's seat or you have, have taken back that decision is anytime you use the should. He shouldn't behave that way. The government shouldn't do this. My brother or sister should not do this. My child should act in this manner. The moment we use a should, we are sitting in that driver's seat. And we're sitting on that throne. We're sitting in that director's chair. We're trying to tell God how to be God. And my experience with that, with that is when I have tried to tell tell God how to be God, or when I observe others trying to tell God how to be God, you, my observation is always a very scary person. A very scared, I'm not scary, a very scared person. Because can you imagine me trying to be as powerful as God? And one of the ways that the people will, uh, that I will ex have explained to people, how do I know that there's a God? Is because I'll say, you know, when I can make molecules out of these things called atoms and turn them into floors and trees and people, when I have that ability to do that, then I will tell you that maybe I'm as powerful as God. But until I can do that, I'm not. And there's a power that is much, much greater than I am. Incredibly greater than I am. And one of the ways to, another way to observe that uh, is that um, I'll invite all of you to, uh, uh, to, to go for a second and, 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 and feel wh where you are. You're sitting in a chair. 
and that chair more than likely is on the floor. And you can say, well, somebody poured that floor, but where did all the stuff come from that created that floor? And could I all by myself create that floor? No. So there's a power much greater than me that can do all of that. And I call that God. Another great example, at one time, this was one of the times when it was a big aha moment for me. And, and these things kind of can happen in the silliest way. I was at a traffic stop. And all of a sudden I noticed, you know, all it was a, a you know traffic signal. All the cars next to me, they were stopped too. And the, the light had just changed. And then all of a sudden the people on the other side, they could they were crossing, you know, they were crossing in front of us. And none of them were getting killed because we weren't going forward. And the other cars were going. And I thought, golly, I take that for granted all the time. And isn't that miraculous that we all agree to stop and let people go by? And we take all of that stuff for granted. And that's one of the miracles of life. How it continues, excuse me, how it continues, how things just happen. And we take all of that for granted. And I have found that I don't take as much for granted. I can look out and I can say, this is miraculous. I'm talking to all these people who I think want to listen to me. Now, should I talk to my ego about that? <laughs> and it's like having that humility, having that humbleness. So my life, I live in peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. I am happy 98% of the time. I am not happy when I'm screaming, in where I wasn't screaming, but when I'm trying to endure pain for hours and hours and hours. But I have a place to turn to. Because I have God. I have a place to turn to because I talk to God all the time. I was, um, before we started the meeting, I do this prayer all the time. There are several prayers that are very important to me that I say all the time and at least twice a day. Oftentimes I use those prayers to put me to sleep. The first one is actually a Sanskrit proverb that's at the opening page of the 24 hours a day uh, meditation book that uh, AA uses. And it goes, look to this day for it is life, the very life of life. In its brief chorus lie all the realities and verities of existence, the bliss of growth, the splendor of action, the glory of power. For yesterday was but a dream, and tomorrow was only a vision. But today well lived makes every yesterday a dream of happiness, and every tomorrow a vision of hope. Therefore, look to this day. And if I'm having a problem, I change it to moment, look to this moment. Because that's what we live. We live moments. And then the next, I always like to say the, the um, OA preamble is the next thing I always say. Because I love the ending of it, beyond my wildest dreams. Because my life today is beyond my wildest dreams. So I love to say the OA preamble. Next, I say the serenity prayer. Then I say the third step prayer. And then I say the seventh step prayer. Then I go into page 417, when I'm disturbed. 
And it's so easy because anytime we're disturbed, the moment I feel disturbed, I want to go to that prayer. I call it a prayer. I want to go to that prayer. When I am disturbed is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity. And serenity is everywhere in the big book. We're finding serenity. I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be for today. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens by mistake in God's world. And so now I get to go back to when we were talking about the third step, and I forget what, what page it is, it's on, but it says that we have to make the decision, is God everything or God is nothing? Can't, God can't be, God is either everything or nothing. It's so simple. And so if God is everything, then whatever is happening in my life, in the moment, is exactly the way that God means it to be. So then people bring up the question, well, we have free will. The free will I have found from studying the big book for as many years as I've done it, the free will is up here, is how we think about it. So I live by a principle of kindness and consideration. So if somebody were to come up to me and start shouting at me, I am... Unless God would tell me to do, because there are times when God has told me to shout back because I had to break the pattern the person was in. It was from that viewpoint. But I am still going to look at that person as a human being who is in distress. If they're violent enough that I need to remove myself. But I do not strike out at them because I live in the principle of kindness and consideration. And as we do the book, big book more, we find that these principles of living, which you can look it up, but you don't need to because it'll just come to you. If you want a reminder, go ahead and do it. But that just came to me. As I did the big book more and more and more, God instilled in me, oh, that's how to treat people. That's God's way. Because this can really screw things up, I'm telling you. So I live in that principle of kindness and consideration. It doesn't mean, I tell people, that doesn't mean that I give the murderer the gun and say, shoot me so you can feel better. I don't do that. But as kind and as considerate as I can be in that might be removing myself. It could be even telling somebody this person needs to be treated or needs to be helped or removed or, or whatever it is. But it's never with malice. Malice of forethought. Doesn't that come from Shakespeare or something? I don't know. And um, so that's how I live my life. So if I am, uh, oh, so I do that, that um, set aside prayer anytime I am disturbed. Now that when I am disturbed about something, the 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 um that prayer is about acceptance. Acceptance is the um oh, I, people are always asking about how oh surrender. People always want to know about how do you surrender to God? Well, that's what it is. Surrendering to God is simply about acceptance. Surrendering doesn't mean you like it. If somebody is shouting at me, I don't like it. 
it's not pleasant, but I can accept. And then if I accept where God has put that in front of me, then I go to the set-aside prayer. Well, I always go to the set-aside prayer anyway. I go to the set-aside prayer all the time. So I'll show you a set-aside prayer that I do every day, one time, you know, at least once or twice a day, and oftentimes more often than that, Well, whenever I eat. Um, God, please, please enable me to set aside everything I think I know. I mean, blank slate, all the thoughts gone. For an open mind and a new experience. Please help me see the truth about, and you can put anything you want there. So uh, oftentimes during the day, please help me see the truth about how you would have me eat today. But if I'm making a meal, please, please help me see the truth about how I am to fix this meal today or what should be in this meal in, in this moment. Now, oftentimes I will add to that in your time, not mine, because it might be later on, God will say to me, you know what? Let's change this a little bit. I don't know how to explain how I get this these inspirations and so that my my life is in ease and comfort. But it's because I'm open. Because I've done this work so much. And my faith in God is so, so just that's it. That's the most important thing in my my life to me. So if we go back to one of the most important one of the most important sentences in the big book is on page 45 of the big book. And it says, lack of power, that was our dilemma. You know, when I read that, some, sometimes I feel emotional because it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful to get that. To get that I don't have to run the world. I don't have to make this, that, or the other thing happened. I have a power that I can turn to that'll show me the way. As long as I stay awake and willing, and willingness is the only requirement in the big book. It's the only requirement is willingness. As long as I stay willing, I will be shown the way to manifest what it is I am to manifest in the moment, in the day, in my life, whatever it is. So I love that lack of power. That was our dilemma. And, and it goes on to explain how we think we have power until we find out that we don't. And that's where the shoulds come in. He shouldn't talk that way. Well, you know, what are you going to do about it? And are you going to get crazy about it and ruin your whole day? I, I'll tell you a little thing. One time I was with my daughter and granddaughters and, and, and her husband and um, at Disneyland. And he got, they, the two adults got into a tiff about going to Starbucks to wait in the line at Starbucks. And so um, they had this tip for about five minutes. And then um, she said, um, she says to me, she says, oh, Mama Peppy, I'm so sorry. We ruined the whole day. And I said to her, Annette, are you kidding me? You guys were fighting for five minutes. Everything was great before that five minutes. Now let's make everything great after that five minutes. It was done. 
But think about how often we or people will have, you know, they'll have a great day and then something yucky will happen and they'll say, oh, the whole, whole day was ruined. The whole day wasn't ruined, the moment was yucky. There was a yucky moment. Uh, so this is because we sit and we make that decision to turn our will and our life over to a power greater than ourselves, and then we take it back. Third step. And how many times, we've heard in OA, how many times we heard the one, two, three dance, where you do steps one, two, three, over and over and over. Well, the only reason, in my estimation, that we do them over and over is because we never go on. You see, we can make that decision in step three, but we still don't have power. So it's going to be real easy to rescind that decision. We need more than just make, saying we make the decision. If I decide to build a bridge, I don't, I can't stop. If you, you know, am I going to say, okay, I decided to build a bridge. Does the bridge suddenly appear? No, you have to build the bridge. Come on, guys, you know. And I will say to kids, get a life, get a thought. <laughs> you got to build the bridge. Well, the way you build the bridge is you do steps four through, primarily to building the bridge, four through seven. And then we go on to maintenance and uh, eight through 12. That's how kind of how I would term it. And then you do it over and over and over again because we're going to relapse because we got this thinking problem, which is mostly because we've, we've got DNA. You know, give yourself a break. We've got DNA and we have to deal with that. So yeah, so that's the acceptance. So, you know, God, why did you give me this disease? Well, sometimes I feel like I'm really lucky. I think that food addiction and compulsive overeating is the toughest addiction there is. And I, I've taken um, like an alcoholic through the big steps, through the uh, the 12 steps. And I will tell you, and I and I know a lot of people in other addictions, that it's, re it's really tough, the food addiction. And I will also tell you that there's, this is, this is just coming from Pepe, is that I, you know, I hear about other programs like chaos addiction, and uh, there's a bunch of other ones. Um, What's the one when you know when you're attached to people all the time? Um, oh, I can't think of it. Um, it's from a long time ago. Anyway, all of those addictions are really in the second half of the step, set first step through step twelve. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. That's the first part of the first step. All of the rest can be taken care of, no matter what your addiction is is doing the rest of the steps. It doesn't matter because once you turn your life and your will over to the power of God, your life, everything in your life and your will, it doesn't say turn my 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 food over to the will over to God. It says my life and my will over to the care of God. That includes everything. So, um, 
I'd like to give little examples because it, it's fun to, it makes it, I think, a little bit uh, more real. When uh, I am 80 years old, and when I, um, two years ago, I had been single for about 35 years. I have three grown children. And I lived in, a, I had a very, very abusive, horrible marriage um, that I figure God had me go through that to know what it was like. Um, and to, to because I had to make a decision to die or to rise up. And so I was single for 35 years. I dated for a while, but then at one point, my children had major problems. And um, I decided that that's where I would focus my attention rather on dating or anything like that. So for 17 years, I never went out on a date. And I moved to um, Henderson, Nevada. I live in a 55 plus community. I tell people I live in paradise. It's the most wonderful place. So they have all these clubs. And so the first club that I went to, I love to tell the story. So the first club I went to, um, I'm sitting in the second to last table and they were having the newcomers introduce themselves. And I, oh, oh I got to tell you, it was called Silver Fox. It's called Silver Foxes. And what it is, it's a social and travel club. And so I stood up, I introduced myself. Then I sat down and then next to me in the last table, this man stands up. I literally felt God's finger on my chin turned my head and I heard, go meet that man. So I walked over to him and I said, I'd like to meet you. I never do this. Here's my card. That was it. Because for 17 years, I had never gone out on a date. We've been together for two years. Friday was our two year anniversary. He's the love of my life. We have the most beautiful relationship I could ever tell you. Now, the reason I'm telling you this, because I'm going to tell you a little bit of how the program and turning my life over to the care of God has worked. Every once in a while, you see, I have this habit of interrupting. He'll be talking and then I'll interrupt with a question. Drives him crazy. He hates it. Although he's better about it after two years. But he'll go like this. I can't imitate it, but it's a voice like this called Pate, you know, and that's that scolding voice, the Pate. And in my side, I smile. Because, you know, that's my honey. He's saying my name. So I don't react. I go, oh, yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted. And, and then I, he'll go on. But it's, he's the whole package. I even talked to him about it. I said, you're not changing. You see, that's the whole package of him. And God gave me that whole package. The reason I can do that is because I've done this work so much. Because I don't judge it. I accept. This is what God has put in front of me. I don't play, try and play the actor. I don't try and play the director. I'm quoting when I say actor director right out of uh, step three in the big book. Where it talks about step three. That's God's business. How he acts is God's business. As long as he isn't, you know, I mean, if somebody were hitting me or something like that in my first marriage, I think it was a very good idea that I got out of it because of the amount of abuse. But it's like, you know, and there's sometimes you have to do that. But you see, God didn't put together to 
abusive people, he put together two people who live in a plane with God at this stage of our life. And so it's, so in step three, I think it's page 62 that I always tell people to go to, um, where it's telling us, yeah, where I always tell people read page 62 through 63. Um, if you want to understand how we keep on trying to run the show and it doesn't work. And it really comes down to, and later on when you do step four and you get into the fears, and again, I never remember, some people remember the page numbers, but you'll find it here in the big, big book, that we are we are run by a hundred different forms of fear. Now it's interesting because it, the sentence doesn't say it's a hundred different fears. It says it's a hundred different forms of fear. Well, hmm, let's think about that. If it's different, if it's different, hundred different forms of fear, then there's one form, one fear that's showing up in different ways. So what's that fear? So that one fear is it's not going to be done my way. God is not going to do it the way I think it should be done. That's the fear. It's not going to be done my way. God's not going to listen to me. And so it shows up as anger, crying, uh, frustration, fear, uh, you know, fear of spiders, fear of flying, fear that the world's going to die, all kinds of fears. But it's that one fear. You see, I've got this should. It should look this way. It should happen this way. Well, how do I know it's supposed to happen exactly? Uh, this is one of the things that, because I do workshops, that one of the things that I, I always use. The should is, oh, I just lost it. How do I know it's supposed to, oh, how do I know it's supposed to happen? How do I know I'm supposed to be talking to you today? Because I am. It's that simple. How do I know I'm supposed to have the light on over here? Because it is. How do I know it's supposed to be cold outside? Because it is. How do I know that people are caught in snowstorms? Because they are. And you just go on from there. If you bemoan, it shouldn't be happening that way. He shouldn't talk like that to me. Well, maybe it's that I shouldn't react inside to the way he talks to me. How about that? And guess what happens? Because I actually have had this happen with my son. When I stopped reacting to the way he talked to me, guess what happened? He stopped talking to me like that. Now, the psychologist could say, well, you're not playing the game or anything like that. I just say that, you know what? I accepted. And there be it became no longer a need. So God didn't have to have him talking that way to me because I got it. 
That's my way of looking at it. So I don't need to go into hours and hours of therapy discussing how, how my son shouldn't talk that way to me. And by the way, he doesn't talk that way to me to, anymore. And, um, uh, and it, it, you know, because and that comes to another topic. You know, it's I don't have words because, you know, it's just like it is. That's what it is. It just is. But I love to also look at that because of doing this work the way I've done it, and because my 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 faith is so complete that I that I live in the moment. And I will tell you that sometimes that's distracting to others. You see, because you could have had a spiff with me, not like something I did, and then said something to me. But you see, when that moment's over, it's over for me. And then you'd come later on and say, I'm sorry. But you see, that moment was gone from me. You have nothing to say sorry for, except it makes it's better for you. So I said, oh, no, no, it's all, it's all okay. We're good. We're good. But see, I'm not carrying anything forward into the future. So that Sanskrit prayer, that uh, proverb that I repeated at the beginning, that's what it is. Uh, today, today lived well makes every yesterday a dream of happiness and every tomorrow a vision of hope. Look well, therefore, to this day. Look well, therefore, to this moment. A yucky moment is gone. A happy moment is finished, too. Let's have another happy one. So sometimes when people are, um, look at the time, we're good. Uh, sometimes when people are, it's amazing to me how much I can talk, you know? And so, uh, but I think God's putting it into my head. Um, when when somebody um, is upset and they'll call me, by the way, I ask that my phone number be up because I take calls all the time. And so let's say that you were to call me and you were to say, uh, I'm so upset. Um, John just started yelling at me and wouldn't, doesn't, you know, he broke his promise to me again. And I, I feel horrible and I don't know what to do and I can't do any work. And so when I, when somebody calls me with that, the first thing that I do is I ask them, where are you? So somebody, here's an example. Somebody called me like that. And they said, I said, where are you? I'm driving the car. I said, no, I didn't ask you what you were doing. I asked you where you are. Well, I'm somewhere in Ohio. No, no, no. Where are you? Where is your body right now? It's in the car. No, is it in the car? Is it in the car seat? It's in the car seat. Where is your foot? Where are your hands? In this moment, is everything okay? Yes, it is. Because in any moment, usually we're just fine. Now, if I were in the midst of a fire, that might be different. But the majority of our moments in life are just fine. Nothing bad's happening to us. The only place we experience the ugliness is up here. So that's when I do that, um, the acceptance prayer. 
because that was God's business, how that happened. Now, my business is to see the truth about how I need to move forward and the actions that I need to do. But mostly how I'm, I'm thinking in here, because if I clear up and let God speak to me, you see, everything is more clear. I'm not walking around in a veil. And I am really fulfilling that decision where I'm turning my life and my will over to God. Isn't that interesting is that we'll say that third step prayer all the time and yet then not do it. Take that decision back all the time. We do it over and over and over until we don't. So another little way that I can tell you that um, that I'll do the prayers, and I and I do this often, probably at least at least every other day. Um, sometimes I will say the prayers rotely, but I usually don't. So, for example, it would be like, God, I offer myself to Thee. Yeah, the self has been screwing around lately. It thinks it wants to know something, God. So I've been having some little, a little bit of issue, feeling a little bit disturbed. So you could, could you take the self, and I often call it, call it the ego, and I'd like you to, to handle the self for me. And I'm willing to do that. So I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. I want to walk as one with you, God. You know that that's my greatest desire is to walk as one with you, that there be no barrier, barrier between you and me, that I know that I am of you, because that's my belief, that I am one with God. To walk, to build with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self. Relieve me of the, the ropes and everything that wants to surround me, that, that the ego thinks it knows something and how to do it. Relieve me of that bondage. Relieve me of the bondages of self that I may better do thy will, that I walk as one with you, God. That's my desire. That's I can feel it inside of me now, even when I say it. That is my greatest desire. Take away my difficulties. Let me live in this peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. Take away my difficulties. I just lost it. Help me, somebody. Take away my difficulties that. Victory over them may bear witness to those I would. That vict victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Yes. By power that I'm. That may bear witness to those of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. It's an old mind, you know. It's just. <laughs> thy power, thy love, and thy, thy way of life. May I do thy will and God. To me, we are one will only when this mind says differently. Because I believe that I am one will with God only when I believe, except when I believe that I am separated from. In your time, not mine. Because God's time is much better than mine. That's how I often say all of the prayers. I bring, I do not like to say them rotely. Now, at first, you might want to say them remotely so that you memorize the words. But saying them and just being in it, it's such a beautiful, beautiful place to be. When I know that no matter what happens, you see, I can picture myself being held by God. 
I can, I know. And sometimes, what did I say to God the other day? I said, you know, oh, I know, because the world is such a mess right now. And so I'll say, God, you know, the world is what you, such a mess. And people come, come on, pray, keep on praying to you. They, you should do it differently and everything. But I know you're running the whole show. And I sure as hell hope you're having a good time. And because it is really a mess. And then I laugh. Because I don't know why God is doing that way. I only know that that's how it's happening. So my job and my honey and I, we agree that we are going to make every moment and every moment of our lives happy good ones. Even if we're just doing stuff like watching TV. Just make it a nice happy because that's the Oh, maybe that's what God wants us to see with all this chaos that goes around in our world. That I can choose to walk with God and live in peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. And sometimes I'll add happiness, joy, love, and life. And so we laugh a lot. And we're very active. I am starting tomorrow at the age of 80. I am going to be working eight to nine hours a day in uh, behind the scene in the elections at the polling, at the where they count the ballots and everything. Because we both feel as citizens that, that we should do our part. That's one of our shows. So we're doing that. We both think we're crazy. And so because it's a lot of hours for an 80 and 82 year old person to be doing. But we think this is the right thing to do rather than complaining about the system, let's do something about it. So um, uh, let's see. So then we go on to, does it, you know, can I ask if anybody has any questions? So if anyone has any questions, they can raise their hand. They can give me an example and I can show you how I would deal with that. Um, <clears throat> the whole point of doing steps four through seven is to, um, I have a certain way that um, I do um, a method of the big book called the Big Book Awakening and has a certain form that uh, to use to do the a fourth step, which I think is fabulous because what it shows in the fourth step, it shows us our shoulds. It shows us how we're trying to run, run the the um, run the program. So if I'm unhappy with somebody, I'm unhappy because they aren't doing it the way I think they should be doing it. And more than likely, I have found that if I let go of stuff, God doesn't put that kind of stuff in front of me. I don't have to wake up anymore. So the fourth step is about looking at our resentments and seeing how we are just another human being doing it the same way. And it's up to us to change our behavior or go deeper. We can't control the other person. And that I believe is what the fourth step is about is waking us up to how we have manifested in life, so to speak. One of my favorite words, I love, it just rolls off your tongue, manifestation. Isn't it a nice word? So, um, And then we go on 
Okay, go ahead, Marcy. You had a question. Sherry, do you yeah, give me one second. Sorry, I'm trying to find who was it that had the question? It was Marsha. And I, I moved. Oh Marsha, I'm sorry, you can unmute yourself. Okay, Hi. Go ahead. Hi, thanks so much, Pepe. I um you know, I heard recently this really interesting idea, and I wonder if you could take this and, and sh you know, share your thoughts. Okay. So the, the idea was this, that someone could come up to me and punch me, mm -hmm. and it's it's about them. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason they gave that justification that this is about them is that if I were Mother Teresa... Yeah. My response would be, oh, honey, what's going on? Versus my, you know, Marsha's probable reaction of like, what the heck are you doing punching me? So, um, so that idea that, I don't know, I just would love to hear what, what your, how your language of what you're sharing about would take that idea and um, acknowledge that I get to have my own response that is uniquely my response and the steps can show me how my response can be in alignment with my higher power. Thank, thank you. Oh yeah, that's because I often use an example like that because I live in the, see, I live in the principle of kindness and consideration. So if somebody came up and punched me I would try to get people to remove that person. It's not about being a martyr. This person is acting in a violent manner. But my principle says I would not punch them back. My principle would go to, oh, this is a person who's very sick. And they have reacted to me. Something I said or, or did they reacted to. That's their business over there. My business is how I react to it. Now, I might very truthfully look at, did I do something that possibly pissed them off? And then I would go to God and I would ask God, is that something you, because you had this happen in my life, is that something you want me to look at, how I'm treating other people? That I that created this kind of situation. But their response is still inside of them. And my response is still inside of me. And it's not going to move me to being an ugly person because that's not the person I am today. Would I like it? You bet your, I'm not going to like somebody punching me. So I could accept it, but not like it. And I might call a policeman to say, this person needs to be handled. Because that's not a good way to live in our world. So when I say acceptance, doesn't mean say that I'm putting it, yeah, 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 you can go around punching people. No. But there's a thing, I, ha I always keep it on my desk. You know, see this, it's, 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 I don't think you could see. I can't make it so you can see. But it says, outside issue creating inside problem. So if somebody does something and I get disturbed, it's because I have an inside problem. 
that I want to blame on an outside issue. But the thing is, is if I take that to God and I say, God, I got this inside problem. You see, I think they shouldn't act like that. Well, how do I know they should act like that? Because they did. Now, how would you have me act? If I want to walk with God, I'm going to do, I live as a human being in this society, and I may, you know, seek a policeman to, to get that person. I'm also going to take the time, and I'm going to meditate on it, and I'm going to talk to God on it, and I'm going to contemplate on it. What was, why did God bring that into my life? What is it that I am to learn from it? If I have an injury, I'm going to get it fixed. So I'm going to do all the same things, but I'm not going to become like that person. And I'm not going to blame them for my reaction. I'm not going to say that I get to act like an animal like them because I don't believe that. I don't want to act like an animal. So I'm not going to. Now, if somebody has to defend themselves against somebody punching them, well, that, that seems reality. And did everybody hear my dogs barking? That's my text message. <laughs> Isn't it cute? And so, um, so, so you see, there's a whole thing of living in this world. If somebody punches me, I'm going to call a policeman. I'm if I need to defend myself to stop them from punching me, I may have to do that. But I'm not going to, I'm going to ask God, why did you bring that into my life? What is it that you want me to learn from that? So what happens, uh, let me just, so what happens is that you will find that less and less of those kinds of incidents happen in your life. Why do I have this relationship in my life? That is so beautiful and so wonderful. Because I was ready for it. I feel like God rewarded me. I've worked really hard. And, and I'll add in here that when I do the 12-step work, um, when is that sometimes people forget that it's 12 steps. You don't get to go through step 11 and not do step 12. So step, step 12 shows up in lots of ways. For example, Marsha, you were, to me, you were just doing a step 12, a part of a step 12 process because you asked a question. You're engaged in it, which promotes the whole fellowship of OA and the 12 steps, the being engaged, bringing it into your life so that you can then share that with others. So it's sharing at meetings, but to me, sharing at meetings is about asking a question how it is done through the big book, not through a psychological manner. So I'm not going to step up to... Um, a meeting and I'm not going to say, gee, my boyfriend talked to me in this terrible way today, but you know, I didn't eat over it. That's not 12 step work. 
12 step work is my boyfriend, he, he said something nasty to me and I took it to God. I did not go into a spiritual malady. I did just what the big book tells me to do. And then it resolved itself. What a greater place. And then share that. The solution is not that I decided. It's that I took it to a power greater than myself to show me how to better live. And I share that with others so that they can then move on to having a better life. And a, and a life filled with peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. Doesn't mean things are easy. The world is not easy today. You know, I could bring up lots of, and sometimes it's fun to complain about stuff. I, I understand that too, but I like to complain about the prices of things. Yeah, so, but it's like, um, and sometimes I don't understand. I'm Jewish and I don't understand the hatred that is in the world today. I just don't understand it. And I'll tell God, I don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But I love talking to sometimes the rabbis. They will have a beautiful way of looking at it. So would I like some things to be different? Sure. Oh, you'll love this one. Sometimes I'll say to God, because I believe that there's a great possibility that we live more than one life. And I believe that we are not body, uh, we are souls that simply take on a body. And then when we die, we go back to the, the bodiless form of being with God. And so I'll say to God, I'll say, you know, this reincarnation thing, God, listen, next time, could you please send me to a place where everybody's happy? <laughs> so I will do that. But it's like, meanwhile, I am a very, very happy person. And it's because I turn my life and my will over to the care of God. And in that decision, I have done the work and continue to do the work on a daily basis by doing all the steps, steps one through 12. I lead workshops. I have sponsees. I am open to people. Um, I've been ill lately. Some, I've been um, with, the, with this stuff. I'm okay. I'm okay but it's been hard with the pain management to always answer all the phone calls. And, but it's amazing how God will even arrange that, that people will call me just when I have time to talk. You know, God just runs the whole thing. It's just amazing. I just have to show up and do my part and make my long to-do list. <laughs> And just do my, I, I, you guys can't see that behind me, there's a bed behind me and it's covered with paperwork of all the stuff I need to do. And I just, I go, okay, I'll take care of this one, take care of this one, take care of this one. Oh, time to do speaking. Okay, take care of that one. And it works that way. So we are at 2.11 right now. And... uh what Shall we take a few minute break? Yeah. How long do you want to break for? Um, how long do you need? Would you like five minutes? Five minutes, Jen? Jan's giving us a five minute. I would love to ask for more questions. Sure. Do you want to come back with questions or do you want to go there now? It's up to you.
and then people just ask questions. Was that helpful, Marcia? Okay, that you know that's to me very relevant when I can relate to something real that's going on in somebody's life, mm -hmm. and I would handle it. Does anybody else have any questions right now? You can raise your hand if you do. Why don't we wait, give five minutes, everybody take a little break and then come back. Okay, I am going to remove your spotlight. There we go. Um, before we take our break or as we take our break, um, sorry, my phone is going. Um, I am just going to talk about the seventh tradition and passing the spiritual, uh, sorry, the virtual seventh tradition basket. Uh, according to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting for our own contributions. Contributions can be made by PayPal to our email address, info at oarise.org, or you can visit our website at oarise.org and click the Contribute Now button. Just going to very quickly show everybody how simple that is. Um, so you just uh, type in oarise.org and go to the website, and it's right here. You can just click Contribute Now. Also, if you're not aware, you can just scroll down and um, here is the uh, meetings that we have coming up and uh, recordings are right here. So you can go to access the podcast and you can see all the podcasts that we have from the last couple of years. Uh, we have over 22,000 listens thus far. So we do have quite a nice community of people who listen from online. So if you do happen to be listening from online and would like to contribute so we can keep the podcasts up and going for everybody, we would be more than happy to accept your seventh tradition contribution to that um, because sometimes we aren't actually making our, um, uh, we, we've had to dip into our prudent reserve because we haven't been making our uh, contributions at the level that we need, which is not actually very much. It's only, what, Jan, like $30 a month, $40 a month, something. It's not very much, and we actually just haven't been 55. making $55 a month. Yeah, and so we, it's, and it, with two meetings we've been having, we still haven't been able to make that $55. So uh, if you are, do have the ability to contribute to help us, uh, keep those podcasts up. That would be amazing. Um, and that's it. So let's uh, have a five minute break now. So it's 2.14. Let's go until 2.20. We'll come back at 2.20. Uh, and uh, we'll stop the recording now. So we have now until approximately 3.20. So another hour. It's all yours. However you want to uh, take it away. If you, however long you want to go for, we're here. So turning it back over to you. Oh, you are muted. There you go. Yeah. Uh, first, I wanted to ask if there are any other questions. If you have a question, you can raise your hand. Could I just ask you to repeat the first part of your um, um, set-aside prayer? Sure, I can say this uh, slowly. God, please enable me to set aside everything I think I know for an open mind and a new experience. Sorry, for what? 
What other new experience? An open mind. Uh, and a new experience. Help me see the truth. About. And then a blank. You know, whatever you want to put there. Then I always add in your time, not mine. Because I'm trying to make sure that my mind, my ego, doesn't try and come up with the answer. I want the answer to come from God. Yeah, I'll give an example of that. Um, I have a, one son who his wife and I, according to norms, I have three sons. This is one of them. Um does not particularly treat me well. And they actually do some pretty cruel things. And so um, there are people who ask why I don't say something to them. And in my mind, when I see me telling them, you know, that really wasn't nice of you to do that. And, um, uh, or anything like that, all I can see, God has me see, is how they would come back with their reasons. And it would cause this 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 stuff to happen, this yucky stuff. There would be no salute, there would be no change. Because you see, it's not up to me to change them. And so if what it was something that I was saying that set aside prayer a a lot, I mean for months, it's probably for almost close to a year. And I just simply didn't know what to do because some of the stuff they do is really, really cruel. And um, I can actually feel it in my stomach when I when I think about it. Whew. So I just have kept on saying the set-aside prayer helped me see the truth about what you would have me do about Brennan and Katie. And I would think things, I should do this, I should do that. And then I would set it aside. And um, and then all of a sudden, one day, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I decided what I was going to do for me, not in not with them, but for me, uh, some some things that that had to be done. And so here, I'll give you one example is that. He has left in my garage a whole bunch of boxes. Like I, and they're really in the way. So I decided, you know, I'm going to call him and tell him he needs to come and get those boxes. And um, so I, I did that nicely. I said, you know, I just can't have them in the garage anymore. They're, uh, they need, you need to come and get them. Or would you like me to ship them to you? Or would you like me to just put them in the trash? And then he said, let me get back to you. So then all of a sudden, I heard God tell me, well, you know, the other boys are going to come over and they've been going through their boxes. Why not just have them go through Brennan's? And I thought, well, that's a really good idea. So I called Brennan and I said, well, here's a solution that I came up with. 
And so that's what's going to happen. And but what I found was that God, re for some reason, and there was another decision I had to make too that I made, and um, just took away the whole thing out of me. I I I don't even understand it. All the questioning of what I should do and how I should feel and what was right and what was wrong and da 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 because I because I kept on saying that set aside prayer. I would say at least once a day, help me see the truth about what you would have me do about Brennan and Katie in your time, not mine. And I didn't do anything until I knew what to do. I know exactly what to do now. There's two actions I need to take. I'm going to do it, and I feel completely relieved. And how they behave and how they act is, that's God's business, not mine. And, you know, there's people who said, well, you shouldn't ever talk to them again. And I, I thought, oh, you know, that's God's business. So friend calls me, I talk to him. And if I need to tell him something, I talk to him. You know, I just, you know, it's, I just let God run the show. Thank you. That's helpful because I will sometimes say whatever prayer I think is appropriate in the moment. And I want an immediate answer. And uh, apparently I need to add the, in your time. <laughs> yeah, because Jan's time. you really screw things up, I'm telling you. You know, this and here one to call up my daughter-in-law and say, why, why do you do these cruel things? Why are you behaving this? What have I done to you? You know all that talk? I have been the kindest person to you. I'm the only one in the family who accepted you. And I know in my mind it would do no good. So this made it easy. Oh, and then I got to tell you a little, this has nothing to do with Kofi, but you know, I'll go to myself. I'll say, now listen, Peppy, you know that the number of years that you lived and the number of years your children live is just a dot in time. So forget it and just do it well. <laughs> you know? When I'm 100 years old, or if I'm lying on my deathbed, this is not what I'll be thinking about. That's a really good trick, too. So any other questions? So does anybody have a step that they would um, like me to talk about? Oh, it just came to me. When we do our... Um, a fifth step, and we take it to another person. Um, sometimes people have forgotten that it also says you're supposed to take it to yourself and to God. So they'll um, very, you know, like, oh, I already took it to myself because I, re I read it to this other person. No, it's really to go through what you've written and I don't know what kind of fourth, uh, fourth steps you use. I object to and don't like, but that's God's business. The ones where you're just checking off. Oh, I was this and I was that and I was this. Um, it hurt my self-esteem. It hurt my da-da-da-da. Um, 
that's why in, um, I love the, the one that we use in BBA because it makes you look at exactly how you're thinking. So for example, um, oh, I think I have it right here. Hold on for a second. I think I have a fourth step that I like to always share with people that um, that was really extremely eye-opening to me. Oh, oh, here, here. So here was a fourth step I did. And I was resentful at tires. Because, and the reason I was resentful at tires is because they would wear down and then I'd have to replace them and it would cost me a lot of money. And I really resented that it cost me a lot of money and they are fun and they should just last a lot longer. They should last forever so that I don't, so that I can go and buy pretty things, not ugly things like tires. I hope you're smiling. And so, but I really have this resentment. Now, why did I write, write this out? Because what would happen is that I would go and have to get new tires and I would be the nastiest person to the tire salesman. I would walk in with the attitude they were going to cheat me. So I was a really nasty, ugly person to tire salesmen. They did not just, you know, now today I can tell you, they did not deserve that. And so, so that's why I did this resentment. And so I wrote down the cause was they wear down and have to be replaced and are not fun, just cost a lot and are, are a bother. So then this, this one makes you look at the different um, ways you manifest the resentment. So one of the things is self-esteem. I'm a fearless person and I make good decisions. This is how it should be. You hear the should in there? You should recognize that I am a fearless person and I make good decisions. And of course, I'm afraid that I'm fearful and I'm afraid that I make poor decisions. And then it says pride, how others should see me. Others should see me, how much fun I am. And so then my fear is that I'm boring, too serious, an adult. Then I look at ambition. I want to have, and I always with I want. I want to have a fun, carefree life. And I want my tires to last forever. So what is my fear underneath it? That I am a burden to others and that I'm getting old. And security. I need everything to work right and well to be okay. And I need to trust myself with God to be okay. That's interesting. I wrote that. And so my fear was of being overwhelmed and not a, having end of security and not having the money to buy the, uh, the tires. So it was my fear of being poor or out on the street, which was totally unrealistic. And then I had machines should work well for a long time. And so I had the fear of being broken down. <clears throat> uh, a real woman appreciates everything, even tires. So you see how I'm berating myself? I'm not fear of not being good enough. Fear of not being appreciated. Uh, then the and and my pocketbook 
Others should see that my purchases are absolutely perfect and I should always have enough money to, to for my purchases. And so my fear of not having enough. So then when I looked at how did I treat people when I looked at the realization, how I, is that I my fear of getting worn down and I treat people like they're wearing down. And I think they should have to be replaced. So I'm very not very nice to people. So I'm getting worn down. And I then I'm not very much fun. And so, and I really cost a lot. You know, I have to eat every day, so I cost a lot. And I definitely could be, I'm sure that I bothered those salespeople. So then when I look at how that manifested in my life, is that is that my action would be that I waited, to, I would wait too long to get the tires. And so then, and I wouldn't rotate them. So then I would have to buy tires sooner than I would have if I really took care of them. But I had the attitude, this is what blew my mind because I, when I do these, this, I, I do the set aside prayer where I put everything aside and I just write what comes out. And I wrote this, my selfish attitude was, well, I'm the queen and even in inanimate things such as tires should adhere to my wishes. So I had that inside of me. I'm better than tires, so they should do what I think. And how? And I had to think about how maybe I had manifested that with other people, too. So you see how something so silly as tires, that's why I like to share this one with people, because it seems it's such a silly thing, but it really, I went, oh my God, I just wrote that. And then I wrote, my delusion was that tires can actually bend to my will, like people should ought to, and not wear out, then not be enjoyable, and not enjoy the service that they provide me. You see that crappy attitude I had? And then, and because my fear was that I would run out of money and not be able to have a car and therefore not be able to get around and not have freedom. So having a car represented freedom to me. So my harm I did to others was to hire salesmen and I took that harm and I, I, that thing when I looked at that made me realize how often I had, when somebody's helping me on the phone, been rude and ugly, you know, like when you're Microsoft, when you had to get something fixed and you know you're on the phone for hours. And um, that's a long time ago. That doesn't really happen anymore. But um, how I could be not nice to people who were trying to help me. Or even somebody trying to sell me something. It's their job. You know? And so my whole attitude changed. That was a life-changing um, fourth step. One, one piece of a fourth step that I did. Because it showed me how I was not being kind and thoughtful to other people. So I am always now, you see, I am always nice and friendly to people, you know, wherever I at the checkout stand, whatever it is. And because that became my thing. So does, does that um, manifest any questions? Anyway, well, if you want me to share 
how to do a fourth step this way with you. I can share that process with anybody if they want to call me, uh, email me or anything. But to me, this is the most incredible way to do a fourth step because it goes so deep and it creates change. And then, of course, you turn, I turned it over to God and to another person. So that shows, and then the fifth step, oh, that's what I was talking about. In the fifth step, we really have to take, uh, we do the fifth step with another person, and then we take the sixth step, and we truly take the time to review, carefully review what we've written in our fourth step to ourselves, and then we talk to God about it. Now, I have a personal God that I talk to, and I have found that to be very helpful. And somebody po and they posted Audrey posted the set aside prayer, and um, I that's in my daily. I always repeat it at night and in the morning. But if something comes up in the in the, it's like, oh, here I'll tell you something. Here's how God works things. So I noticed that my food was getting a little bit sloppy and sloppy meaning that I was eating a little bit more each meal and I wasn't comfortable. So um, so then what does God do? He, I have the surgery and because of the surgery and the bandages and everything like that. I could only eat three bites of food without being in pain. So I had to laugh. And I said, God, do you really have to go to extremes with me to get it through this thick head, you know? So do we need to have surgery to get it through my head? But I guess that's how hard my head is. So, so that broke the pattern I was in. So now I'm back to eating normally again. You know, what, what is a good food, a good way for me to eat? And um, and then what does God do next? Have Bob and I decide to do the um, to do this this election stuff? So we have to pack our meals for the day. So each meal has to be totally planned. Isn't it amazing how God will work? You want to be stubborn, Peppy? I'll take it on. I'll show you how to do it. And it's just beautiful, just beautiful when you turn your life and your will over to the power of God. So then you do the seventh step where you actually do that and you, the seventh step seems small, but it's so important. Now we go on to the eighth step where you start, I no longer have to do a ninth step because the way that I live is I've done all my amends. I made sure that I did all my amends. People I couldn't get to, I wrote to. And um, and then now if I were to, if I do something that is what I would call not nice or offensive or something like that, um, I immediately, immediately make an amends. And because um, I don't, you see, if I come up with, let's say something going on in my life and I come up with a resentment, for example, you know, stuff in the news and that kind of stuff. You see, I immediately go to prayers and I immediately go to God. And I talk to God about, it. you know, God, I'm taking on this thing and not liking it. 
And then I start to feel that relief and I set aside prayer. Oh my God, that's right, God, you're running the show. You're doing this. All I have to do is pay attention to what you'd have me do. That's all I can do. Let me see people and where they are with you. And that's your business too, God. It's not my business. If God wanted me to be in Washington, D.C. as a senator or something, guess what? I would be in Washington, D.C. as a senator. Until then, I need to do my part right here. And let God run that show there. Does that make sense? So that's how I live in peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. That's how I live in what the big book is teaching me. And then I do not do a form. Some people do formal 10s and 11s. My 10 and 11 is that I, I will review it occasionally. But my 10 and 11 is doing this on a daily basis, everywhere I go, everything I do. Now, I'll read them to make sure that I stay there. And that I'm doing that. My 10 and 11 is, you see, if I don't like something, I take it to God immediately. I don't wait. Yeah, I might get caught up for a couple of hours on something or a day. But then I'll take it to God. Even when I don't like somebody, I'll take it to God. So I don't walk around with resentments. And that doesn't mean I won't like something. You know, I don't like the way certain people behave. But that's God's business, so I don't have to have a resentment about it. And there are times I'll have fun calling them names in my mind, you idiot. <laughs> then I talked to God about that one. But sometimes you have to let the, the mind have a little bit of fun. You know, that's God gave us minds. And so... Um, so you, I don't want you to think I'm superhuman over here because I'm not. And um, the uh, um, so that takes us ten, eleven, and twelve. Twelve step work is a huge part of my life. Huge, huge, huge part of my life. Uh, I and and that's through sponsoring, through doing. I lead workshops. Um, and, um, I do speaking. If anybody asks me to speak, it's rarely that I'll say no. And I feel blessed that God gave me the ability to do it. Because as you can see, I don't, I don't write notes. I'll, I'll let something float into my head. Oh, this is what I maybe talk about. But generally, it's just about and taking in the big book. And I really appreciate because the workshops I do with two other leaders, one really, really knows the history really, really well. And I love that. Because it's very interesting to find out exactly how um, AA happened, which then, of course, became, then we have OA. But AA was the beginning of this whole thing. So where are we now? So any questions? Yeah, go ahead, Patty. You have to unmute, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, so your mantra is peace, serenity, calmness, and what was the 
Last word? Calmness and ease. Ease. Thank and, you. Yeah, and I mean by that so that if I stay calm in a sec in a in a situation, I can handle it with ease if I listen. If I'm listening to God, if I'm really staying present in all that's going around me, so that I'm there and I'm asking God what to do, you see, then I'm not going to get all frazzled. And oh, here I'll give you a great example. I've been really, really not well the last week, and um, and in pain. Um, and um, I had scheduled a book club meeting at my house, 11 people to make lunch for. And I had all these other engagements and doctor's appointments and stuff to do. So I was having to fit in. So I was really running around probably more than what my body could handle. But I just kept on saying, God, you're in charge. You're in charge. Just you know, help me out where you can. And so I just kept on doing it. And so this is what happened on Wednesday. On Wednesday, Bob came over and I I cooked a brisket and he cut all the fat off for me, which would have taken me a couple of hours because I wouldn't, I don't have the strength he has to cut off all the fat. So while he's doing that, I got to prepare other things. Then we went off to the meetings that we had to go to. Well, the meetings ended a half hour earlier. So when he when we came back, I had a half an hour and I was able to braise the brisket and put it in the pot with the sauce that I had already prepared. Now, I thought I was going to have to do that late at night. And I was going, oh, my God, how am I going to do that? I'm in pain. I, I'm, you know, I'm just managing the pain. We're going to people's house for dinner. And it'll be so late. And you see how God handled it? It was so cool that we finished the other meeting a half hour early. So we had the time to do that. So I didn't have to do anything when I came home. Everything was done. And I could go to bed and get rest. That's what I'm talking about. You just hand it over. You just do what's in front of you. And you just keep on asking God, show me what the next step. And then I slept 12 hours last night. And my body was tired. And the pain is subsiding a great deal. Last night I was concerned, but I finally, I, I took some Tylenol to try and handle it. And it did, and it made me sleep. So that was really good. But did I cancel today? No. Wasn't a thought to cancel today. This is what God had, was having me do. Okay, you show up, and that's what you do. So any other questions? Or comments, even. Or situations. Like Marsha's question was great. Sherry, go ahead. Actually, this is um, just when you said comments, um, I just wanted to let everybody know that that um, you showing up here today was pretty incredible because uh, we spoke 
and um, the, and then we spoke on Tuesday and I was sending you all the information and emails and the script and all this and uh, Pepe never got any of it because I had the wrong email address. So it was at about 12.52 today when I called her because she hadn't logged on yet. And there she was waiting, even though she hadn't heard anything from me and all these things that I she was expecting. And But she would still, uh, you were still there waiting for us because you said you would do it, even though you hadn't heard anything from me uh, in the last six days. So thank you. Uh, that is service at its core, I'll tell you, because I was just like, where is she? What's going on? And there you were. So thank you so, 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 so much. Yeah, it, and it was really funny because you called, and in some way, the phone hung up, and I saw it was a 604 number. So I said, hmm, I don't think that's scam. So I called it back, mm -hmm. and it was you. Yeah, and then I found out that you hadn't gotten any of my emails. <laughs> so so, uh, so thank you, because really, you could have been like, ah, she didn't. Nobody called me. Nobody sent me anything. They said they would, and and uh, so yeah. So I'm really grateful that you 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 yeah you 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 had a commitment and you said you were going to be here. And without anything you were expecting to get, you're still here. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Um, I have a real struggle with step one. Um, I am technically abstinent. I'm not eating my one biggest uh, red food, or however you, however anyone classifies food, but the rest is getting slippery. And I have a heart condition, came on after years of eating. I've just had a bunch of teeth removed and new plates, partly because of the way I eat. Um, I don't know what third warning God is gonna give me before I see this as serious. And I just wonder, I just, I'm just looking for any hope, any, any steps I can take to finally get how serious this is and what I must do for my health and, and staying alive, basically. Well, the first thing I would say is that I think you already know how serious it is. And so you've got a mind, well, you, you've got a mind that is, is during the day or whatever is uh, taking over because you have DNA. You don't have DNA like normal eaters do. You, you have, that, that's bottom line. And that's first step work is to really understand you don't have any control. You just don't have any control. It's, um, I can't run my food. I do not have the power to run my food. And you don't have the power to run your food. It's period. You could, you know, it's, they could give you a hundred different diets. And the moment we put that food into our mouth, bam, that DNA trigger goes off. Bam, just like that. You know, and if I were to sit here, I could feel like, that's really shitty. No, 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 no. You know, and it is, it's really hard, but here's the good news. And, and I would invite you to write about this. Is if you were to do the big book, do a big book 
workshop. Really get heavy duty into this big book and turning and and curing that spiritual malady because the spiritual malady is the only answer. It's the only thing we've got. And then feel the gratitude for having this disease that got you to that solution, to got you, that gets you, can get you to living this beautiful life in your mind, no matter where you are, that everything is great. Everything is good. Your heart is filled. That's what you're resisting. That's why God keeps on pushing at you. God would not have you, my estimation, God would not have you today listening and going to these meetings if God didn't want you to get it. And God's fighting as hard as God can do to say, Jan, come on. You're hearing the answer. You're hearing the answer. Come on. What more do I have to do to get you to listen? And to be fulfilled and to be happy. I want my children happy. And it's a journey. It's just a journey. What is more important than you finding this peace, serenity, calmness, and ease? Some, I, my um, other co-host, co is she, she, hers is grace, dignity, and life. Uh, and, and in the big book, it says love and tolerance, to live always in love and tolerance. So it's the first is that acceptance of this is a disease that ain't going to go away. It just ain't going to go away. And it tells us in the in the big book that we have to first, we have to get, it's written in there, the grave nature of this illness. What does grave nature mean? It means that it's dark, it's deep. It's not fun. It's a killer. It robs, it kills our lives, it robs us. Of, of the beauty and the fun we can have. It robs us of our relationships. It can do all of that. That's how grave it is. That's how serious it is. And when you do a big book study and you get, and people generally, when they do a workshop with us, they start getting depressed the first few weeks. Because when you have to really face what an, how ugly this can be, and there is no, that little bit of hope that maybe one day I can eat like a normal person, it ain't going to happen. You'll never, you might look like you're eating like a normal person, but you're never going to be able to eat like a normal person. I watched last night at dinner that the, the woman who was sitting next to us and, and she's tiny and she, her plate was filled with food and she ate maybe a third of the food and left the rest on our plate. You know, that kind of stuff shocks me to this day. How does she do that? 
I make sure I only put a certain amount of food on my thick plate because I know that's what I'm going to eat. I can't do that. God, I would love to be able to do that. But on the other hand, if I were able to do that, I would not have this big book because I'm a happier person. I see her plagued with a lot of things and she actually is a wonderful person, but she has her issues that hurt her all the time. And see, I don't live like that. And so she likes to be around me. Because I'm happy. So do you see, do you get where I'm going, Jan? It's the greatest gift. And it's the greatest hardship that God could give you. It's the worst and the best. I think compulsive eaters, food addicts, have it the hardest of any other addiction there is. And I know that uh, alcoholics like to say, no, no, no. Because it's hard for them to understand. Can you imagine if you're cocaine? You, you have to do a line of cocaine three times a day. That's what we have to do. But the point is, is you do a, bit, a, a study, you do workshops, you learn this book backwards and forwards. You listen to the messages in it, because I believe this God, that God wrote this book. Well, God writes all books, but it's amazing what's in there. And I'm Jewish, and I'll go, I'll go to uh, synagogue, and sometimes, and I'll read the prayers and the stuff, and it's just that God said it in a different way with the big book. That's all. It's all there. It's all in the Bible. It's all in works that have been done by great people in the past. It's all there. This is just a very simpler terms. We turn our life over to the care of God. Isn't that what all the things are trying to tell us? But this gives a, a way to do it, too. So that's what I would invite you to do is that uh, what more does God have to do? Start raining bricks on your head to make you wake up? That's what I'll say to people. What more does God have to do? He's given you these conditions and you still aren't listening. So just, i that's what I would do. That would be my solution. You know, do whatever your doctors tell you, all that kind of stuff. But then go to God and... I leave my food to God. And I'm not saying mine is away because one of my uh, sponsees, she, two of my sponsees send me their food every day. That would make me an absolute basket case because it's too much thinking about food. And that's what drives me crazy. But I have to look at my meal that I prepare each time I go to eat. And God does that for me. And then God will do stuff like making me blow up from the medications. And so, and so then I have to pay attention to how I'm eating. And, uh, and I, I won't be on these medications very much longer because the pain is almost gone now. And, um, and then I'm laughing because I, I still have to have a spur taken off my foot, but that's minor to the, all this other stuff. So uh, getting old can be really interesting, you know. So, um, so that's what I, you know. Give me a call if you if you're interested. I can let you know. But, 
Thank you so much. Yeah. And, the, and I know that OA has a lot of big book studies. But that's, you know, where the thing is. And the next time you want to do a fourth step, really go deeply into it. Yeah. So any other questions? So I'll talk a little bit. Let's see, you wanted to go until what, 320? Is that it? So a little bit about 12-step <clears throat> work is it's very interesting because when you open yourself up to 12-step work, how it just happens. And I, I'm always amazed how people will call me when I just when I just have the time to do, to talk. And I'll go, how did that happen? <laughs> you know. <laughs> And so it's just like, it's another thing where, where God is um, running the show. And I, you'll, you'll kind of hear me repeat the same thing. If you, if you haven't realized that, I kind of repeat the same thing over and over and over again. It's acceptance. It's that uh, page 417. And, uh, and I would suggest memorizing that. And it starts out, when I am disturbed. So the moment I'm disturbed about anything, anything, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, whether I think somebody has done something to me or I've done something to somebody or the world has done something, whenever I am disturbed, uh, whenever I am disturbed and go right to that prayer and take the time to memorize the prayers so that they're part of your, oh, that, that's something I could talk about, um, is that when, when, I, when we do the first step, and explain it, you know, you hear me, I like to use the term, it's in our DNA. And, and as we go through doing the work, um, thoughts that we have, the should thoughts, um, that people shouldn't behave this way, or people should behave this way, or the world should do this, we have, I, t I tell people, it's very scientific. God gave us science. And he gave us these bodies. And we have these neural pathways in our brain. And so if I um, if I have the neural pathway that says, um, Johnny shouldn't do this. And I keep on thinking, people shouldn't do this. Johnny shouldn't do this. I have that neural pathway. And if I don't have an alternative to that neural pathway, that's what's going to go off. So if I have a no, if I keep on thinking life is shitty, and that's all I think that life is shitty, that's the only place my brain has to go to. It doesn't have an alternative. And it's not that I'm a bad person, it just doesn't have an alternative. So when I do this big book stuff and then I do things like say the prayers over and over and over again, you see, I'm building a different neural pathway. So when I say for, for 20 years now, let's see, maybe 30 years now, um, when I say that I live in peace, serenity, calmness, and ease, at first I didn't live in peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. It was that I wanted to live in peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. 
But that was what I termed. I always said, I want to live in peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. And saying it over and over and over again, all during the day, because that's I practiced that over and over a lot with along with other things. And now, see, that's where my brain, God has created the neural pathway for me. So that's where I go to. So that if I start acting grumpy, grumpiness now is out is in the out of the norm for me. Because my brain has been trained for peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. So when Bob acts grumpy, you see, my brain isn't doesn't go to rah, 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 because my brain has been trained to go to peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. So I'm going to look at his grumpiness in a different way so that I look at it. And I even told him this the other day. I said, honey, that's part of the package. You don't have to do a thing different. You don't have to not try and do that. I don't care because I don't want your whole package changed. I love you just the way you are. You're an incredible man. I don't want you any different. And that's part of him because that part that doesn't like to be interrupted, see that part of him tells these magnificent stories. He remembers things, I'm telling you. He remembers things that he'll tell a story of what each person said 35 years ago. I don't know how somebody does that. He's a wonderful storyteller. So I don't want him to work on changing that. I want him to be him in the beauty that he is. So you see, that's from me doing this big book stuff over and over and over again. That's from me praying God, I want to be relieved of these resentments, and God shows me how to do it. I don't expect a magic wand. When God showed me to do the work, bam, I'm doing the work. That's how it's being that awake to see how God is telling me how to do things. And we're so lucky we have this disease that puts us in that position to do that. And have lives greater and then go out and share it with others. And we tell people all the time is I don't have the option of not being a speaker when somebody invites me. Of not running workshops. You think this I do this just for you? Yeah, I, I do love doing it for you. But seriously, I don't have the option. I'm not doing it. Because in selfishness, and remember, I believe we're all one, I want to live this life. And therefore, I need to share it with you and repeat it over and over in my head. I'm not just saying it to you, I'm saying it back to me too. And we tell people in our workshop all the time, we don't have the option of not doing this. We're saving our butts. Because if I don't give it away, I'm going to lose it. 
and it makes the most glorious. You know how wonderful it is for me that God is putting, I sit here and I'm going, my, believe it or not, I'm thinking, God, you're really putting these words in my mouth, aren't you? And I, I'm thinking that kind of thing. So this is really wonderful. What a great life. Does anybody else have a question? Yeah. Go ahead, Patty. I have a comment on your sharing, if I may. Sure. Uh, for me, it's uh, why would God do this? Why would God do this in my life? Um, if God is love, and that's what it is for me, love and truth, then why why would you do this? He, to me, God gives me absolute freedom because a loving God would do that. He would give us absolute freedom. He wouldn't put any uh, boundaries on it or anything like that. So then I asked myself, well, why, you know, the most tragic thing, like I was in hospital too. I, I was close to the end. And I'm thinking, why why would my higher power do that when I'm in touch with him every day and I want to keep close to him? It's because I wasn't eating properly. That's what happened. And so God is sending me a message and it was a painful message, uh, but he got my attention. Yeah. You know, and, but, so I asked myself, well, why does God allow, allow these things to happen? To me, it's because he gives us absolute free will to do as to do as we please and that's a loving god to me so that's my comment <laughs> yeah i agree see i put it in terms of he the free will is and how we think about it and so what comes out of our mouth and what we say about it so you you have something where in the hospital and you look at what you got from it not calling this bad God. It's like, um, that's how I look at things too. It's like, okay, what did you want me to get from this one? What do you, and that God is wiser. You know, um, some people go, why didn't God give me more money? Well, why don't you be happy with what you've got? You know, I love to point out that the wealthiest people in the world are often the most unhappy. And it's amazing. And uh, so money doesn't make you happy. Um, the, to me, the relationship with God is what makes me happy. And because then I can enjoy everything around me. So I agree with you totally. Anybody else? So I just got a thought that, that somebody might be thinking that it's so hard. And at first, it, it really it is really, really hard because we have this brain that has been trained a certain way. And that's why I was talking to you about the neural pathways is we have a brain that has been trained and only has the neural pathways that say, go pick up that food, go pick up that food, go pick up that food. 
And so it has to be retrained, for example, and we have to create the neural pathways that say, I'm gonna eat this, this, and this. And the longer we do that, the better, the easier it gets. It's because the neural pathway, I like to talk sometimes about the actual science, it's because the neural pathway has been, um, has been formed. And the other one, the neural pathways, they die off, so to speak, if they aren't used because a new one comes in. And um, you know, not on the subject, not a, it's not in BBA, I mean, in the big book, but it's like I learned a long time ago that people, you know, talked about affirmations. Well, where people were done with affirmations is they they would go, people were, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. I'm a mi well, that's dumb because you're not a millionaire. But um, you can do one is I'm a productive person. I'm a productive person and become, and when you think that way, you become productive. So I used to do affirmations like that because I wanted to build in my head neural pathways. So by me, for I guess it's, I think it's 10 years now uh, that I've been doing the Big Book Awakening that, you see, I've done it so many times and I read it, I read through the big book. Where, I have my big book here. So I have the little one that I use all the time. Yeah, here it is. So I don't know if you can see, I'll go to a page that has, uh, okay, I don't. All right, can, yeah, ah, ah. I don't know, you can see, okay, you can see all the writing that's in between, and you can see underlining and highlighting, and each time I do the big book, I use a different color highlighter, because it'll be amazing to me how something will, will pop up. Um, okay, so for, like, under We Agnostics, it says I underlined this sentence twice. We find a spiritual, oh, after a while, we had to face the fact that we must, and there's several musts in the big book, we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. It doesn't say we should. It doesn't say we can try to. It says it's an absolute must. If we want freedom, we must Find the spiritual basis of life. And then lack of power, that was our dilemma. Because we didn't have the power. And um, one of the, I'll, I'll throw this out, because one of the things that was mind-blowing to me the first time I did uh, the BBA was that um, I had always thought myself as a person of God. I had always thought that. And so how could how could we be either an atheist or an agnostic? I even skipped the first time I did the 12 steps, I skipped we agnostics because I, that's ridiculous. I've always believed in God. But then I read this and I got these definitions. An atheist denies that there is a God. An agnostic does not rely on or know if there is a God that will work in my life. 
So the agnostic does not rely on God. So it's not, lately I took a person through who was very religious and though God was such a big part of her life, and then she read that. And the difference is, do you rely on God to run your life? Or do you think you really still have the power to run life? Because we don't. We just don't have that power. You know what's going to happen. We just don't. And once you get that, it's kind of relieving because I don't have to care. I'm not responsible for the world. I'm just responsible for right here what I'm doing here. So any other questions? We're down to 10 people. So I, I'm pointing out, as long as it's here, different things. Um, So in the big book, the only requirement that you will ever find um, is in is the word willingness. So on page 46, in this place I've underlined, we found as soon as we were able to set aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. On page 47, we needed to ask ourselves the one short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? So the willingness comes before the belief. You have to be willing to believe. As soon as a man can say he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. And that's the simple cornerstone of the program. So just as you, so just really studying this book and seeing all the things, um, I'm, just, I'm just trying to open up to different pages and see things where I have um, uh, here, I put a big star behind it. They show how the change came over them when hundreds of people are able to say, that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. They present a powerful reason why I should have faith. And in the beginning, it tells us, we always emphasize this. In the beginning, it tells you that in the big book, it tells us that it was about uh, um, 100, the story of how many thousands of women men and women have recovered from alcoholism. Well, interestingly enough, people will think that recovered means they aren't drinking. It has to do with that, but it doesn't. It tells you, um, I always forget which page it is. Oh, here it is. It's in the forward. It says, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And when we say the preamble, the OA preamble, this is, I hold my hand in yours, and we no longer 
now because I say it all the time, but now I can I hold my hand in yours and we are no longer da -da. I put your my hand in your and it, it says about that we now don't have to stand in hopelessness, in a hopeless state of mind and body. Because that's what recovery is, that we are no longer hopeless. So you're recovered if you are no, no longer in that state of hopelessness. And so when Jan asked me that question, she's still in the state of hopelessness. So that's what the recovery is. Just is that that's why you do big book studies is so that you get out of that state of hopelessness. You see that there is an answer. Because the only way that you see is an answer is through the correction of the of the spiritual malady, which the entire big book is about. From step one on, it's all about the spiritual malady. And I know that some people want to say there's no God, and I'm telling you, I can't explain how there's a, a floor here and how the molecules put it together. It's mind-blowing when you think about that. So there's one hell of a big power that knows how to do that. Any other questions? Go ahead, Kristen. Okay. Hi. Um, my name is Chris, and I'm a compulsive eater, Kristen. Um, I just wanted to uh, introduce myself. I'm new to this program, um, coming from the other one, <laughs> the the one that thinks we are the hardest cases. I disagree being both a compulsive eater and an alcoholic. This is much harder. Um, I heard I heard uh, on a podcast or something, someone say that we have to walk the, the tiger three times a day. Right. So, um, uh, and I just... I, I I don't know how to get I could use some contacts some numbers if you guys do that here um and and I've got yours uh, the speaker but um thank you so much for um your focus on the third step today um turning my life and my will over I'm uh down I just came down to Arizona to visit my parents and um you know it's a my mom's developed uh, um, dementia mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm sitting here with a mirror to my defects because hers with the dementia are just off the charts and so I see the worst of me the worst of my defects are just kind of right here in front of me right now so um, I I hope I needed to hear what you said today so that I can go back across the road and sit and be okay with um, when she gets angry and um, it, it just short temper and, and all of that. Um, 
I, I usually react in kind and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that in any part of my life, but I certainly don't want to do it here with my parents in the, the, um, well, honestly, at the end of their life, I, I just don't want to do have that relationship with them anymore. So, um, thank you so much. And I saw a comment with, with numbers and, um, thank you for this, OA Rise, your podcasts have been what I've been using, um, but I want to, you know, I'm working to do the rest, do the program. I'd love to do the steps with someone and do the whole thing. So thank you very much. That's what I would suggest. Just get in there, uh, do a workshop of some sort. Uh, there's many on online um, and, you know, just get deep into it. So that um, and there's and they're through AA too. I know that uh, it just is. Um, it's the key. It's just the key. It's wonderful. And if you feel like calling me, give me a call. Thank you. Well, it's uh, time to close the meeting. Did you want to say anything to wrap it up there, Pepe? Just that um, I. There's part of me that sometimes feels sorry for people who don't have addictions because, you know, because this is such, this is such a gift. It's such a, such a gift. And, uh, and it doesn't have to get in, in the way of any other beliefs you have, truthfully. Um, but I, I feel like what, it's unbelievable to me, the life I live because I live it up here. And if, and if I were, and, and you're hearing, I definitely have challenges in my life. Definite challenges. But that's God's business and God just leads me through it. So feel free to give me a call and, um, and I hope I help some people here. Thank you so much, Jefe. I really, really appreciate you. Uh, I have put um, uh, your contact information in the chat for anybody. If uh, I think everybody who's here right now has been in the room since I posted that, so it should be there. Um, and I'd like to welcome you, Kristen. I hope that you, it sounds like you did hear some things here that you needed, and just welcome to OA, welcome to the program. Glad that you're here. Um, okay, so... Thank you so much again, Pepe, for being our speaker today. It was so wonderful, truly, to have you with us. And we appreciate you sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us because you're doing service for OA and together we get better. Uh, a reminder that the opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. Please remember to honor our commitment to each other's anonymity, take the stories, but leave the names behind. OA Rise's goal is twofold, to provide speaker meetings twice a month and to maintain a website to store the recordings of our speakers for both you and for the OA Fellowship. Please do give what you can to keep OA Rise going. We will post the seventh tradition contribution information one more time in the chat. Uh, OA Rise needs members to give service to this meeting. If it is a very simple commitment that includes attending one business meeting a month and one speaker meeting per month, uh, no Zoom experience is necessary, so please send a message to one of the co-hosts if you're willing to give service. Additionally, we are always looking for speakers and speaker suggestions. If you are listening to the podcast, 
and you are interested in doing service, we would love to have you. You can send an email to us at info at oarise.org and we will, um, we will get back to you. Uh, thank you everyone for being here with us today. After we close the meeting, we will open up the chat for a short period of time and you can unmute yourselves if you'd like to connect with others. Please join us for another wonderful share of experience, strength, and hope at the next meeting, which will be February 3rd, I believe. Just let me double check that. I did not. Oh, it's February 4th. February 4th is our next meeting. Um, we hope to see you there. And after a moment of silence, we will close with my apologies. Uh, Pepe, I cannot remember what you wanted to close with, what prayer you wanted to close with. Um. Let's see, what should we close with? Let's uh, close with, we opened with the set-aside prayer. Let's close with um, the, the preamble. Uh, the, the, I put my hand in yours? The OA preamble. Okay, because uh, um, the, uh, the actual OA preamble is the um, Overage Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, who shared experience. Hope That one, do you want to actually say that one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if we have the preamble in our prayers there, Marsha. So why don't I just read it aloud? I can put it in chat. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, do you want to do you want to read it for us, Pepe? Do you want to say it for us? Yeah, it's in the chat. If anybody looks in the chat, they can see it. Okay. Um, so I how about you? Do you want to speak it aloud? And those of us who wish can join you silently. Okay. Okay. My hand in yours, and together we can do what we can never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We're all together now reaching out our hands for power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Thank you so much. Keep coming back, everybody. It works. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you again for giving service. Um, 